This is a Willits Point Shea Stadium bound 7 express train. The next and last stop is Willits Point Shea Stadium. Yes, it is the Subway to Shea podcast. Anthony Rivera here with you, talking about all the news and happenings surrounding that team from Queens, the New York Mets. You can follow the show on Twitter at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe to the show on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Casts. Turn on your notifications and never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. You can also find Subway to Shea on YouTube. This podcast is available on the HSP Network. Catch me alongside podcasts like The Bullpen with DA, The Third Floor Lounge, which covers the NFL and NBA, Sus Talk, and The Return of the High Spot Podcast, which covers all things wrestling. Just search High Spot Podcast on YouTube or youtube.com slash highspotpodcast and make sure to subscribe today. Please also take a few minutes, write me a review, and let me know what you think of the show. You could do that on Apple Podcasts if you listen on there. You can give me five stars, help me climb the rankings and some of the best baseball and Mets podcasts out there. I would really appreciate it. Leave me a review. Let me know what you think of the show, things that you like, things that you don't like. I want to make this show better each and every week for you Mets fans out there. So let me know what you think. Rate and review the show. And here we go. Let's start it off today with the state of the offense address. We're going to take a look at the past two series with the Boston Red Sox and the Philadelphia Phillies. It was a rough start. It ended, well, the Mets won the final two games of the series against the Phillies, so that is great for us, but it didn't start off so well. Back at City Field, where the Mets took on the Red Sox in a two-game series, they only scored one run the entire series, a solo home run by Jeff McNeil. No run support whatsoever, and obviously Jacob deGrom, hard luck loser again, one nothing loss. They made Garrett Richards and Nick Pavetta look like Cy Young contenders. I keep thinking to myself, we keep saying this every time this offense doesn't show up. It's against pitchers that either have a 5 ERA, have a losing record, haven't pitched to a potential that Jacob deGrom pitches every week. And somehow the Mets keep losing to these guys. They keep getting either shut out, they're striking out too much. It's frustrating. It's very, very frustrating. I talked about last week how frustrating it is right now to watch the offense. And then you go into the Phillies series. They lose the first game 2-1. to one. Both runs against Marcus Stroman came via the pass ball when James McCann wasn't even close to catching the ball. And that was the only runs Stroman gave up. And the Mets couldn't muster any offense. I know they got the one run back, but they couldn't muster any offense. Even the final two games of the Phillies series. Let's go to game two. And that's a big one. The Mets' bats really didn't feel like they were alive yet. You know, they jumped out to the 4-0 lead in the first inning, but it was helped by bad Phillies defense. That missed catch that McCutcheon had gave the Mets a couple of runs. You know, the Phillies came back to tie the game. That was big. 
and the Mets were quiet most of the night until Michael Conforto hit the game-winning home run in the ninth inning. And he seems to be finally hitting on all cylinders. Michael Mayer of Metsmerize posted on Twitter that in the last 14 games for Michael Conforto, he's batting 327 with five doubles, two home runs, and six RBIs. If we can continue to see him get hot, it only makes things even better for this team because at a certain point it was only Brandon Nimmo and JD Davis who were really hitting on the team everyone else was getting out Alonzo had his moments Dom Smith had his but Lindor McCann Conforto McNeil they were all struggling for the first month of the season so it's great to see Conforto go back to his form of hitting and hopefully it continues for the rest of the season Sunday is where the bats really woke up And hopefully this is of what is to come from this team from this point forward. Jeff McNeil, four for six. Kevin Pillar, who we've criticized a lot on Twitter and here on the show, three for five with one home run. VR and Dom Smith, each two for five. Alonzo had that eighth inning basis clearing double on the Sunday night game that helped the Mets and propelled them to victory. And let's quickly... Before we go into the struggles of the Mets offense, let's quickly talk about what Jonathan VR did on Sunday night's game against the Phillies. He caught the Phillies sleeping in that Peraza hit that went right off of Reese Hoskins' glove. They were sleeping, and he came around to score and tied the game. It kind of reminded me of Daniel Murphy against the Dodgers in the 2015 NLDS. He caught them sleeping. No one was covering third, so he took third base, scored on a sacrifice fly. Here, I think VR was on first base when Peraza got the hit, went first to third, and was paying close attention to what Reese Hoskins was doing. They were lackadaisical with the defense, and they weren't paying attention. And VR took advantage of it and scored and tied the game. That was a big game changer. And not everyone on the Mets has been hitting. As we go back to the offense at the plate, Francisco Lindor still struggling, batting 171 with one home run, three RBIs. James McCann, 215, one home run, five RBIs. They continue to struggle. And I'm wondering, obviously, James McCann is batting eighth right now. So you have him batting eighth. You got the pitcher batting ninth. Kind of both are almost automatic outs. Lindor is automatic out right now at second. And I'm, you know, using automatic lightly. I mean, he's really an automatic out right now. His saving grace at the moment is his defense and his leadership. If he wasn't doing any of those things, it'd be a big problem here. But he plays hard. His defense has been great outside of that one game in Chicago. And he's quite the leader on the field. He comes in, he talks to the pitchers. I made a a funny tweet about him being more of a manager right now than Luis Rojas has been. And we'll get into Luis Rojas later on in the show. But you can't deny the leadership qualities and skills Lindor has. He just needs to translate that at the plate. He's got to get going. This is one of the worst starts I think I've ever seen. Definitely in my lifetime of a big-time batter struggling worse than Carlos Beltran did in 2005. So the question, is this offense finally alive? Or was this just smoke and mirrors? Was it just one game? We're going to find that out in the Cardinals series coming up. Another question, is the dead and ball, which was instituted this season, is that impacting the bats? I know it seems to be affecting teams across the league. You know, the Mets team average so far this season is 241. They're batting 241, ninth in all of baseball. The Angels lead with a 262 batting average. And, you know, they got Otani, they got Mike Trout, they've got... Albert Pujols and Rendon and you know that offense is pretty pretty sick 
But are the Mets struggling because of this dead and ball? A lot of offenses seem to be struggling. The Mets aren't the only one. It just seems that the Mets are struggling all at once. They still have a decent batting average, but the biggest issue is scoring with runners in scoring position. They're not executing. It seems like every at bat they're trying to get the home run. Play station to station, move over, sacrifice, bunt, and it's just strikeout, ground out to the infield. Sometimes it feels like some games they don't even get the ball out of the infield. So what do you do? Should the Mets fire Chili Davis, the hitting coach? Will that even help? Because at the end of the day, you still have the same lineup. Chili may be gone, but you have the same exact lineup going out there. Lindor is still going to be hitting out there. McCann, you know, all the guys that are struggling, they're still going to be out there hitting. I'm going to read a couple of tweets here on this issue. The bullpen with DA, at bullpen with DA, and you know, like I mentioned before, they are on the HSP network along with me. They said firing the hitting coach is a cop-out. The whole lineup is in a funk. Firing anyone would only be cosmetic and appease the fans that won blood early with only 19 games played this season. The part of this tweet that got to me was he said this should be an eye-opener, though, on who the true core players are on the team going forward. So, does that mean maybe that this is not the team currently constructed that will take the Mets to the next level? Maybe there needs to be changes. Maybe via trade, via free agency next year. Maybe there needs to be moving pieces so that we get a, you know, singular lineup that's gonna come through every week. And every day. So if the lineup struggles all year with runners in scoring position, don't you kind of have to consider breaking up the roster to get fresh faces in here? You know, just because it's happened in past years with, you know, the runners in scoring position batting average being as bad it has been. It doesn't mean that it should happen going forward. Every year we shouldn't say, oh, well, the Mets might get off to a terrible start. We should go through that every year. Maybe the philosophy needs to change or the roster needs to be changed. That's something to consider going forward. Let me read a couple other tweets here. At Island Times 787 says, There has to be some accountability there. With all the video and analytics in today's game, you won't see immediate change out of a slump, but you could start seeing batters making adjustments. They look lost at the plate, down 0-1 before stepping foot in the box. And that's what it feels like. That's what I mentioned, you know, this team either striking out or getting into ground outs or pop-ups in the infield. If sometimes it feels like they can't even get it to the outfield, they can't even sacrifice the runner over. You know, before the last two games, they were struggling hard with the offense. At Mets Giants 2000 says, almost all on Chile. The last three teams, including the Mets that he had been the hitting coach for, the offense famously struggled when it wasn't supposed to. Hitting is really difficult in this era, and hitting coaches with outdated approaches are a liability. So there, he thinks that they should get rid of Chili Davis. We'll see. At Paul Jason Vames said, would almost rather see them play Guillaume at third base and put JD in left field. Modest improvement in defense, and really, would Guillaume be any worse at the plate than Dom has been? Before Sunday's game, Dom was really struggling, really struggling, even on Friday night's game when Alvarado struck him out. You know, he took a couple of pitches that he could have hit, and then he struck right out. It's struggling. These guys are struggling, and that brings me to the next point of how to structure this lineup. 
I feel Lindor may need to move down until he finds himself offensively. He has just been an automatic out. He's really struggling. So maybe you move him down. Maybe let him get his bearings. And then you bring him back up. Just like they did with Conforto. Just like they've been moving around McNeil. You know, Lindor has been at second this whole season. He's been batting second. So whether he needs a day off, whether they need to move him down in the lineup, they got to get him going. Brandon Nimmo, at the top of the lineup, I feel like, has to stay as is. I know he's been struggling the last couple of games. He's had an injury. He has the hip impingement. He was out the other game. He came in as a defensive replacement on Sunday. But I feel like he still needs to be at the top of the lineup. He's usually always on base. If you're not going to go with him, why not give Jeff McNeil a shot? Sunday, Jeff McNeil went four for six. Let him go. And then you got the heart of the lineup. Will be, obviously, Dom Smith, Pete Alonzo, J.D. Davis, and Conforto. Whether you do righty-lefty, righty-lefty, or, you know, you, you gotta split them up somehow. But that's the heart of the lineup right there. And like I mentioned with the tweet, you know, will J.D. Davis finally get some time in left field? He's been playing third the whole time. You know, you can have Guillaume at third when he returns from IL as... Obviously, he's in on the injured list at the moment, but when he returns, Guillaume needs to get some playing time in there, and you can move JD to left field, especially if Dom's struggles continue at the plate. Maybe he needs a break. One thing is for sure. The Mets lineup needs to put up a fight every night, just like the 86 team did, just like the 2006 team did. Every night, the Mets were in it. Their offense came alive, and this Mets offense this 2021 Mets offense is very talented and to see them struggle that's why everyone's so frustrated because you're seeing the struggle they're better than this Lindor's better than this like I said this team needs to fight every night and it seemed to have worked Saturday and Sunday with the help of Jose Alvarado who challenged Dom Smith on Friday after he struck him out this all stems back to the whole issue throwing at Michael Conforto's face not once but twice at City Field Dom Smith's Spoke out about it, and they were jarring at each other. So then come Friday night, Alvarado strikes out Dom Smith in a big spot, and then starts taunting him. The bench is cleared, nothing big happened. Kind of wish, you know, some kind of brawl would have broke out to stick a jab right in the Mets and, and, you know, wake him up. But it did seem to do something, because Dom Smith, after the game, was telling Alvarado to meet him in the tunnel. Kind of like when Piazza was going after Guillermo Moda, told him to meet him in the locker room. Mets got the last laugh when Alvarado walked the bases loaded on Sunday night, and Conforto was that bad at that time. Gave the Mets the lead in the eighth, and then obviously with Pete Alonso cementing that lead, the Mets came around. And that's all you can ask for. This would have been a very somber podcast if the Mets didn't come through in the last two games in Philly. That three-game losing streak, the two games against Boston, the first game in Philly, that felt like the longest three-game losing streak of my life. You could have thought that they lost 12 games in a row. It was that frustrating. It seems like this Mets-Phillies rivalry that was huge from 06 to 08 and back in the 80s, it's back on. And, you know, we're all here for it, obviously. We need a good rivalry. The Mets, this team needs something to kick them in the butt and get them going. And this series could have been it. So let's see how they do in St. Louis this week. You know who else helped start this Mets two-game winning streak? Newly acquired hitting guru, Donnie Stevenson. Now, who is this Donnie Stevenson, you ask? Well, he's more of a fictional character. A myth, as you would say, in the line of a uh, Sid Finch. You know, I don't care if he's real or fake. 
He seemed to light a fire under this team, and I think we will hear more about him if the Mets continue to win and start breaking out those bats. They're 2-0 after talking about him, so he might become a legendary figure here and might not even be a real person. I know the whole offense and the whole team's been having fun with it, Pete Alonzo, Conforto, so we might be hearing a lot about Donnie Stevenson as the Mets continue to roll this season. Now from the hitting guru to the actual manager of the Mets, Luis Rojas. Now first off, I want to apologize for a comment that I made on Twitter. I called Luis Rojas an idiot. In caps, Rojas is an idiot. I said it on Twitter. Now my emotions got the best of me and they usually do during the game and I get frustrated. You know, once a fan, always a fan and a fan first. So my comment was most likely out of line. It was. It was out of line. I shouldn't have called him an idiot. You know, I, I deal with comments on Facebook when I post the podcast. Some people don't even listen to the show or commenting on me being a moron. You know, I don't care, really. I accept all opinions. And we don't even have to agree. We may have differing opinions on this team. But to call me a moron not knowing who I am, you know, not even listening to the show... It's a a little ridiculous. So, you know, my comments were even out of line, calling Louis Rojas an idiot. You know, he's been in the league for a long time. He's got the pedigree. I'm not even a baseball fan. I'm just a fan. But I will say this. You know, we are all Met fans here, and we should be united. We should be uniting around this team. I see too many Met fans not getting along here, whether it's on Twitter, whether it's on Facebook. Hey, man, this is our team, and we should be rallying behind them. So I'm going to apologize again to Luis Rojas, but I am starting to get the sense that he will not be the manager if this team wins a championship. I don't know who the manager is going to be because even veteran managers like Joe Girardi are not having success at the moment. So I don't know who this manager is going to be, but I am convinced that Luis Rojas won't be here if and when they win a title. I would love to be wrong. Please, Luis Rojas, prove me wrong. I just don't see it right now. Let's look at Sunday's game. David Peterson was cruising. 88 pitches. He had a rough first inning and then started cruising through the game. 88 pitches and he gets taken out in an inning where Harper and Didi were getting ready to come up. They put in Miguel Castro and Castro gives up a lead, a three-run home run to Didi Gregorius. That's the first thing. Thankfully, the Mets built back their lead. But in a non-situation with the Mets up 8-4, to four, They go to Edwin Diaz for a second straight game, who if not for the top of the fence, Reese Hoskins would have hit a game-tying home run. Luckily, there went to a review. It was called back as a ground rule double. The Mets had a one-run lead, but Diaz was hurt. And we need Diaz for this week and the following week. We're starting to get to the point of the season where consecutive games are going to happen and consecutive series are going to happen. The Mets don't have a day off this week. And they're going to need Diaz. Hopefully his injury is not as serious. It looked like it was a a tight back. So they went to Familia against Harper, which I was surprised they didn't bring in the lefty. You know, they had Loop. They have Zamora in there. It was a little surprising, but Familia got the job done. So I'm going to give Luis Rojas credit there where credit's due. Mets come away with the win. But that was rough, man. That could have went sour real quick with Harper at the plate. That's not the guy you want to be facing with the game on the line. But they got it done. They got him out. So I've been very sour on Luis Rojas' tenure here as Mets 
manager. So I'm going to bring up a tweet from someone who is kind of more of a supporting of Luis Rojas. At Mets Daddy 2013 said, By the way, if the Mets want to win a World Series, Edwin Diaz is going to have to learn how to be effective on consecutive nights. A four-run lead in May on a game with that much emotion and momentum was the perfect spot for Diaz to do it. And I get it. Diaz should be doing that. He's the closer. That should be his role. But we already know what Diaz is. Diaz can't come in with men on base. So he shouldn't be coming in in those spots. Yeah, he should be coming in consecutively if it's a save opportunity. Sunday night's game wasn't. The game before on Saturday was. It'll be different when we get to August and September and hopefully October. But do you really want Edwin Diaz pitching in consecutive games in the playoffs every time out? Look what happened to Familia in 2015. He came out in every game and he pitched multiple innings. Terry Collins brought him in for multiple innings. It worked in the NLDS and it worked in the NLCS. But then you came in with that potent offense from the Royals and they saw him every game. And he ended up blowing, what is it, two or three saves? Some with not a lot of help from the defense, but then you can say, well, he should have threw better pitches. They saw him enough, and they brought him in even when the Mets were winning 9-3, to when you could have went to another pitcher and gave him a day off. So maybe in the postseason, he shouldn't be pitching every game. But with Luis Rojas, let's go back to him, with his pedigree and time in the organization, watching some of these guys grow, I expect a lot more from Luis. You know, I gave him a break because of the 60-game season and learning on the fly in a short amount of time. But now it's time to get serious here. It's time to see some results and some improvement. We all know he came in two weeks before spring training began because the Mets had to fire Carlos Beltran, so he wasn't put in the greatest positions. And then COVID happened, and then you only have the 60-game season. So I gave him a pass on that. I really didn't want him to come back, because under new ownership, a new regime, they should pick a new manager. But they didn't. They gave Luis Rojas the benefit of the doubt, and I said, okay, fine. And actually, I was okay with Luis Rojas becoming the manager once they got rid of Beltran. I thought he was the best option. I've yet to be proven right. I want to see him coach with a little more gut instinct, not so much by the book. He seemed to do that when DeGrom was rolling and he let DeGrom do his complete game shutout against the Nationals a couple weeks ago. But taking... Peterson now with 88 pitches. I know they're trying to limit Peterson because this is kind of his first full season, but you got to win the game. At least let him go out there and see if he can get Harper and Didi out again. What would that hurt? You don't have Loop available because Loop pitched the night before. You're not going to go to Zamora in that spot. If you're not going to do that, why not leave Peterson in? It kind of set up Miguel Castro up to fail there because Miguel Castro has been lights out. I don't really blame him for the Sunday night game. All I want is for... At first, I was wanting Luis Rojas to impress me. Now I want him to prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, Luis, that you are the right manager for this team and the right manager to lead this team, this very talented team, to a championship. Now, my final thoughts before this train leaves the station. Jacob deGrom was scheduled to face the Cardinals in the opening game of the series on Monday. He'll now go on Tuesday with extra rest, and we all know the last time Jacob deGrom had extra rest, he pitched a complete game shutout and struck out a career-high 15 
against the Washington Nationals. DeGrom also tied Nolan Ryan for most strikeouts through his first five game starts, and that is with 59 strikeouts. So congratulations, Jacob DeGrom. You know we couldn't go an entire show without talking about Jacob DeGrom. Well, that'll wrap up the show here. Please take a few minutes, write me a review, let me know what you think of the show, what you like, what you don't like. I want to improve this show each and every week for you Met fans out there. I want to make it better. Help me out. If you love the show, give me a five-star review. Help me climb the rankings in baseball podcasts, in New York Mets podcasts. If you do that, that would be a big, big boost for me in this show. You can follow the show on Twitter at Subway to Shea. Listen and subscribe on Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cast. Turn on those notifications and never miss an episode of Subway to Shea. You can also find Subway to Shea on YouTube. This podcast is available on the HSP Network. Catch me alongside podcasts like The Bullpen with DA, Third Floor Lounge, which covers the NFL and the NBA, Sus Talk, and the return of the High Spot Podcast, which covers all things professional wrestling. Just search High Spot Podcast on YouTube or youtube.com slash High Spot Podcast and make sure to subscribe today. Well, that will do it for this week's podcast. And always remember to listen, subscribe, share, and review. For Anthony Rivera, you've been listening to Subway to Shea. Let's go Mets.